0: Okay, okay, it's not fellowship time. That's for later when you get donuts and coffee. That's good. Hey, what we're going to do for the next couple months for our time of announcements is what we want to do is we're going to have the elders do announcements, maybe some of the ministry team leaders do announcements, and then after announcements, we're going to take time and pray together as a church. Some of you may not know this, but we have this little sheet in the back called the Prayer and Praises. We encourage you to grab these so you can be praying for the different needs praising the Lord for the things that are going on in our church. So these are on in the, in the welcome, by the welcome table there. They're right on the table. So grab these. So what we're going to do the next couple of months is we're, after announcements, we're just going to enter into a time of prayer, praying for our specific needs that we have as a church. Does that sound good? All right, we're going to have Kevin come up, and he can give us announcements and lead us in prayer.
1: Good morning. All right. So for announcements... We're going to start off with the moms group that will be meeting in the uh, fellowship hall on Thursday, February seventeenth, from six thirty to eight p.m. Pastor Tony will be talking about the five love languages. That's always an interesting conversation. And uh, the second, we've got women's prayer on Thursday, February tenth, from two to four p.m. Also in the fellowship hall. And a fun o- opportunity to, uh, to gather outside of our church. We've got a skating party at the Skate City on Sunday, February 20th. And that's from 5 to 8 p.m. And even if you don't skate, come on in and enjoy the fellowship and watch some of the rest of us uh, make fools of ourselves. <clears throat> and then Feed My Starving Children. The info is at the welcome desk. Please go online to sign up. Get groups of of four. You can sign up as many as 10 in a group. So, four or more people get together, go online, uh, and sign up for that to help with the Feed My Starving Children. And then, our last announcement membership class will be held on Sunday, February 27th, from noon to two. Lunch and childcare. For the participants who sign up at the welcome desk, will be provided. So, if you have any questions, please contact one of the pastors, and they would be happy to uh, fill you in with any of the details that you may uh, you may be uh, interested in. All right. So now, let's uh, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning to thank you for this wonderful day of opportunity to uh, pray and, and br- uh, bless you. And uh, we'll start off with Vera and Frank Burhite They're struggling with their failing health, and we just pray that uh, the Lord is there in their lives and healing, with, their healing t- with his healing touch. We pray for Bob Lindner's friend, Ron Wilder, who seeks prayer for strength and recovery so he can return home from the hospital and recover from his recent fall. We also, Lord, we pray for your leading and discernment in the search for the process of our uh, next associate pastor and worship leader. We just pray for your guidance and, and pray that you help us find the right individual for that position. And we pray for the protection of our church body as we minister daily to the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray for our children's hearts to know and be led by his truth. We just pray for all of this. We also want to lift up a praise to you, Lord. We want to uh, lift up uh, uh, Steve and Joan Niedemeyer's grandson, Cole, who broke his leg. And despite having some medical issues, that he has been able to uh, resume everyday activities. So thank you, Lord, for your healing in, uh, in Cole's broken leg. And dear Heavenly Father, we just, again, thank you for this day and ask that you uh, be with us as we uh, are with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. It's always good to pray. We should be praying more often than we do I encourage you as we're doing this these next couple months and and even longer if you do have prayer requests we have these little yellow sheets in front of you we got more at the welcome table there feel free to fill those things out so we can be praying for you as a church and those of you watching online just give us a call email us let us know your prayer request Uh, some of those individuals Ron and and then Frank and Vera I was able to visit this week Ron was in the hospital I went up to Birchwood to visit some people up there We want to be praying and caring for those who are unable to be with us during this time. One of the questions that we're going through, we're in the book of Mark, so get your Bibles, go to the book of Mark, chapter 1. We are going through this study with Christ in the school of discipleship. We're looking at Messiahship and discipleship. And one of the questions that we're asking in our study is, who really is Jesus? Who really is this Jesus that's written about, talked about, that we come to worship on Sundays, that we worship daily in our lives? But this is not a new question. It's an age-old question. In fact, we've had in the last 30 years, kind of started up in the late 80s into the 90s, and then got very prominent towards the end of the 90s, a trend of secular scholarship that had this quest to find the real Jesus. Who really is this historical Jesus? They even had seminars that went around talking about you know, who is this historical Jesus. And they're looking through the lens not of who the Messiah is, but more historically, who is this man? The significance of Jesus could be then described to them in, a various, in various words such as teacher, prophet, rabbi, social reformer, political, revolutionary person, and so on. But that's not new. In 1906, one of my heroes, Albert Schweitzer, anybody ever hear of that person? Okay, maybe a few of you. He was a great organist, and then he just gave it up and said, I want to be a minister, and then he gave that up and he went out into Africa and was a doctor and just a great theologian and thinker. He began thinking about, yeah, who is Jesus in history? But that wasn't new. It wasn't new. Because in 1820, Thomas Jefferson came out with the Jefferson Bible. Anybody hear of the Jefferson Bible? In fact, I have a a copy of that or, or an edition of that in my office. I should have pulled it out. He stripped all the supernatural references going through the Gospel. He literally cut out and then pasted together his Bible, thinking, oh, I want to look at Jesus without all this supernatural references. In the age of enlightenment, sought to understand the knowledge of mankind, not through divine things, but only through science. And only through the eyes of that and the categories of God and the supernatural were not really a real necessary part of how we live today. Let's say we don't need that. Who really is Jesus? But that was not new. For centuries, people have been trying to look at Jesus and reconstruct Him just historically without divine aspects, without the miracles. And that's not new. In fact, take a look at your Bibles. Ever since this was written, people have been trying to understand verse 1. There's always been a failure to understand Mark 1. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus, the Son of God. And we will see today in our section of study, we're going to go through a little section here, the distinct characteristic of Jesus as Messiah, shown in His authority, not just on the natural level, but also the supernatural level. We're going to experience that in both ways as we read this passage. And His authority is perhaps one of the most significant examples of implied messiahship within these first couple chapters. His authority is something that is so beautiful and wonderful. So today, we will experience the beauty and the power of the authority of Jesus. Who really is Jesus? And I love how Mark does this in the first chapter. It's a little frustrating for me. In fact, when I was going through this, I'm like, come on, Mark, give us more details. Let us understand this. We're going to see he's just very short to the point because he wants us to know. He wants the readers to know, yeah, this is a great story, and we'll get more into these stories in Mark. But number one, we must know the power of Jesus. So let's pray before we get into the Word of God. Father, we do thank You for this morning. And Lord, as Kevin prayed, we we do lift up the many needs that we have here at church. I think of Willie Rugren who passed away this Friday. His funeral will be coming up. And the deaths that they had in their family. Lord, we just pray that You would be glorified that day and even right now bring healing to that family as they, they grieve. And Lord, there's praises on that sheet. I think of some of the praises that we have going on in our church. We thank You for all that You're doing. And Lord, this morning, before we get into this passage, we come and we submit. We submit to Your authority. There are many authorities, there's many power sources on this earth that easily come and go. But You are the Son of God. You truly are the Messiah. So speak to us this morning, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so get your Bibles. go to Mark chapter one, starting with verse 21. We're going to look at Jesus' authority, His powerful teaching. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue. And began to teach the people here. It is were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So they take a look at that first part. They came, so it's Jesus and these four disciples that he chose. We talked about that last week. He called four of them, four fishermen in Jesus. What a great scene! I mean. There's so much that we could talk about. And the other synoptics talk about how they were together at first. So it's these Jesus and the four. And in that group, if you see a couple of verses before that, one of them is Peter. Remember, Mark is telling the story through Peter's life and what Peter saw. So Mark, here's another example of showing that Mark was this author and writing about, given, as given to Mark, Peter gave this information to him. So this is, So Jesus was baptized. In fact, I think I have a map here. So up there, there's Capernaum in the Red. So there's the Jordan River right above there. So they're in this area still. Now they're on this northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, about two miles away from the Jordan River there. So now they're starting, we're entering now into the ministry that Jesus has in this area. Take a look at this. They enter into the synagogue. So now it's the Sabbath. In fact, these next couple paragraphs cover a 24-hour period. This is the place where they would meet to gather to worship the Lord, as we do. We don't meet on the Sabbath. We meet on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, because of His resurrection. But they're gathering to meet, to also, though, hear teaching. Hear from the law. Hear from the Word of God. It was read to them and taught to them and jesus went in there and began to teach take a look at there towards the end there in verse 22 at the end of 22 teachers of the law Now often rabbis would come or maybe a special speaker would come and they would come and teach the teachers were scribes who were mainly pharisees and as we get into the book of mark we'll understand the different divisions they had within the jewish law there but these were the pharisees these teachers would pass on what the rabbis taught in the past as tradition. So they had a lot of tradition they were passing on. Making statements about the Torah. They would open up the Torah, read the Torah, and make statements. But sadly, sometimes their statements were based upon their own party lines. The Sadducees or the Pharisees or all these different people. And whenever you get up, you go, oh, that's so-and-so. He's going to have this slant for sure. They would speak on their party lines and what best fitted them. They'd find their pet passages and go, oh, this is what's going on, so let's share on this. And it got kind of dull and boring. And often they would quote other authorities and other rabbis. Let me say this. It's one thing to make theological truths and statements. It's one thing to read the Bible. But don't mix it with your personal slants or party lines as we see with many teachers today many popular preachers are out there just kind of winning the crowd with what they want to share and it's interesting that we're going to find out that this scribes these teachers are mentioned 10 times we have different 10 different encounters with them in the book of mark and all the time from here on they're in opposition with jesus take a look then again Jesus began to teach So Jesus comes he's functioning as this like rabbi a special teacher that would come in and his authority is contrasted with the scribes with the other teachers of the time how was he different was different in two different ways first of all the scribes again they spoke with the tradition of the fathers we'll see this in chapter 7 They just kind of carry on the tradition of the other rabbis. They look at the law and kind of share, oh, this is what's been taught, so I'm going to carry on with what the Father's taught before us. Jesus is different. Whereas the scribes and teachers, they got their authority from the other rabbis around them. Jesus is very different. He receives His authority directly from the Father. Look at verse 11. That's where it comes from. It's the Father who gives Him the authority. Jesus was the Messiah and had God behind him. That's not saying that the teachers or the rabbis didn't have God behind him, but they were leaning on their authority from just their title and what other rabbis gave to them. Here, Jesus, his authority is from the Father. Second is the content of the teaching of Jesus the greatest teacher that has ever walked this planet, Jesus Christ. The content. They are, look at the word, they are amazed at his teaching. He was real, genuine, passionate. The real thing. Do you ever meet someone who's like, you're like, oh, that's the real thing. Whatever profession it is, whether it's a doctor, plumber, farmer, businessman, teacher, they all have their skill set. But once in a while you meet someone who's oh, that's the genuine thing. His teaching was simple, to the point, clear, and authority like great preachers we read about. Some of the great preachers. Think about, who are some of the great preachers? Well, the Apostle Paul. What a great preacher. Spurgeon, Luther, Wesley, Billy Graham, Jonathan Edwards, these are some of my favorites. They were awesome preachers. People were amazed at the content and the power and authority behind them. So Mark shows the effect of the teaching of Jesus by the word amazed. Mark uses different word. In fact, we're going to go through this. I've already got nine words that we translate amazed. The crowds were amazed. The, the teachers of the law were amazed. At different times, people are amazed in different ways. He uses nine different words, different Greek words, to explain amazed. Mark uses different words to show the beauty of the Gospel Jesus comes and does these things. This word connotates here actual wonder. Awestruck. They were struck with the blow. They were amazed, like, wow, they were woken up. They were struck. Amazing, powerful punch. Astonished. They were awestruck, or we could say thunderstruck. And notice the focus here isn't the content, because I would love Mark to have gone, okay, little side note here's what he taught, here's what Jesus did, and all this stuff. But Mark's goal isn't to go, okay, here's all the teaching. Mark wants the readers to know, yeah, you'll, we'll, we're going to get into the teaching because I'm going to explain some of it as we go through the further chapters, but number one, he wants us to know all the power of it is in Jesus. The authority in who Jesus was as a teacher. He began to teach as one who had authority. That's what Mark wants to drive here. And this summarizes his teaching. It's authoritative teaching. That's why the people were amazed. Jesus has special authority. And we're going to get to this aspect towards the end of our message this morning. Let's read on. Now Jesus the Messiah combines His mighty teaching because He's teaching with some action. With mighty deeds. Mighty teaching, now mighty deeds. Both the natural and the supernatural both word and deed. And they have, so here we have the first displays of a miracle. In fact, take a look at our next slide here. Remember, we've been talking about there's 250 50 events that we have in the life of Jesus. And some of the study Bibles, maybe you've got one, that pull out the different events of this. Here we're talking about the first miracle recorded in each gospel does anybody know what the first miracle recorded? well we can look at number event number 22. in the book of john the first miracle that jesus does is water into wine mark doesn't cover the first miracle mark and luke they talk about their first miracle is event number 34 whereas matthew his first event is the cleansing of the leper these are the first miracles mentioned so why doesn't mark Again, we're Westerners. We like to study. We like history. We like to have this chronological time event. I want this event first, this event first, so that way we know it's all lined up and great for us, and this verifies it. But Mark's goal isn't to do that. Again, in this section, he wants to, in this now Jesus is doing ministry, he teaches, but then he's like, you know what? I also want to show one of the stories that shows his power and authority. So next we're going to read about Jesus' authority. Powerful exorcism. Look at verse 23. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So even more than his powerful teaching which amazed people, now we have the power in the supernatural realm. To verify that he's the Messiah, he's powerful in the natural world, but also he's powerful and has all authority in the supernatural and exorcisms here in mark present this gripping conflict between the kingdom of god and the dominion of satan and those who are held captive by we have here unclean spirits so take a look at this possessed by an unpure unclean spirit here is a victim who has a demon, who is control. They're controlling him. And Mark will cover evil spirits. In fact, we have four upcoming exorcisms coming in the book of Mark. And again, part of me wanted to as we went through this, I'm like, oh, let's take time, 30 minutes, and talk about this. Let's talk about exorcism. But Mark doesn't want to do that. Chapter 5, chapter 7, chapter 9, chapter 13. We'll get more about demons, angels, and all that stuff. But Mark's goal isn't to do that. Here he's not going, here's the 10 steps of exorcism. Here, look at the words of Jesus. Copy these whenever you meet a demon. His, his purpose, again, is to, number one, he's the Messiah. and Let me show you his power and authority in the supernatural world. So we're going to get to those when we get to chapter 7, chapter 5, chapter 9. We'll talk more about the details of that. But let me say this. Satan loves to prey on the souls and the lives of people. And the fallen angels love to torment and kill those who are made in the image of God. So absolutely, we're going to be talking about exorcism later on. But even though Satan is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4, in Jesus God has defeated the evil forces. Amen? And he cannot overpower us, those who are in Christ. And there is tactical advantage to having the authority of Jesus. And again, we'll talk more about the authority, and how to use this in an exorcism and all this kind of stuff. But Mark's goal isn't that. So I'm going to stick with what Mark is doing. He wants to show you Jesus has all authority. Look at what it said here. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What is it to us and to you? Is a great translation from this. We have nothing in common. Leave us alone. They know who Jesus is. Again, Jesus is beginning to begin His ministry. People don't realize who He is. Oh, but the supernatural world, they understand who He is. And they acknowledge His true nature. And they know there's trouble. And they want Jesus to leave. Purity meets with impurity. His authority threatens Him as He is the holy God who acts. And here's the beauty of it. We live in darkness. We live in torment. There's things around us. And the beauty, the light of Jesus enters into the scene and exposes the darkness. He was way too much for them and i love how they give both the earthly jesus of nazareth and the holy one they give both names both aspects are given here to the one who's come to break satan's rule you have no business with us and jesus is coming to destroy the enemy amen jesus comes to disarm, disarm the enemy Look what Jesus says, be quiet, come out of him. Often in the ancient world when there was exorcism, there were these long phrases that had to be said, these, these phrases that had to be quoted, these formulas to remove a demon. There's no special magic here. There's no special long incantations. Jesus doesn't pull out a little. Kind of go, Here's this ten steps to remove a demon. He doesn't interact much with the demon. He moves quickly and silences the demon. Here the battle is done even just as it begins. Jesus gives, in the Greek, it's five simple words and the battle is done. I love that over god is here there is no contest again sometimes movies and i don't watch those kind of movies but i'm sure yeah i think of some of the names of some of the movies that hollywood put about demons or whatever i haven't seen them but i'm sure the whole movie is about all this battle jesus comes and boom it's done five words done be quiet be muzzled and come out of him power of jesus overwhelms the darkness and they are utterly defeated again we're going to get into this more as we get into the book of mark we're going to come up with like i said four other exorcisms we'll talk more about the details of that and i need to say this demons are real don't be like the deist don't be like the age of enlightenment that says you know what there is this supernatural world but we're beyond that we have science now we can prove things Demons are real. There are spiritual forces at work. And we have taken over a month talking about that, talking about the weapons that we have. If you want to find some of the information, go online to our Ephesians series that we did. Ephesians chapter 6. Take a look at your Bibles here. It says, Shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. What's going on here? Today, again, we're, we live in this world where we go, oh, science can explain everything. Well, he has Tourette Syndrome. Oh, maybe there's mental health going on here. Oh, there's drugs. Oh, there's all these addictions. That, that's what's working on here. That's what's going on. That's what we would ask today. The enemy will not leave quietly. And there are, at times, physical manifestations that happen manifestations of the removal of the demon. Yet, this isn't common. In fact, only three times does something like this happen compared to the other times that exorcism happens. So again, movies love to you know, make things look, oh, it's all these things, you know, shrieking and shaking. And really, only, I look through the, the Gospels only three times it happens like that. The other times, it's just done. When the demon leaves, then there is wholeness. Mark is not showing here how to do an exorcism, but mainly to emphasize the authority of Jesus, for he has come to set all things right. Now the man is whole. Again, there are different times in my life as a pastor or as a police chaplain or just someone in the, you know, just walking through a grocery store, I see something happening. In my mind, I'm going, okay, is this a physical thing? Or is this a spiritual thing? Or at times, it's a combination of those. Again, we cover those. In Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We talked about the different spheres of influence. We have the world, we have the enemy, and also our sins. And again, we'll talk about those in upcoming months as we go through the book of Mark. But again, it's not here how to do an exorcism. That is real. I've been involved in some of that stuff, it's real. Jesus has no equals. Amen. Mark is going, yeah, he's an amazing teacher, and they're in awestruck. They're, they're amazed uh, by His authority. And Jesus comes and the demon acknowledges who he is, and the demon is disarmed. Jesus has all authority. Lastly, Jesus' authority powerful source he's got powerful teaching that's for sure we see that in his teaching and he also is an amazing man he has what i got here the powerful exorcism but now we have a powerful source because he's not just an amazing man as many wanted to say well he's just you know he's a great teacher he's a great leader you know he's more he's the messiah take a look at the last part verse 27 the people were so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives order to impure spirits and they obey him. The news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So here we have the people are amazed. Again, here's a different word. They were amazed. They're in wonder just as they witnessed that this new. Power has come. They are amazed. They are caught, and the demons are dispelled. And the messianic age is here. And here, Mark uses a different word for amazed. First, they were amazed. Verse twenty-two. They were awestruck. Now they are caught off guard. They are caught. They were bewildered. Like, oh my. And. You maybe understand that in our church. We've had a few times during our service, as I'm preaching, something happens. We've had a few times where someone comes to disrupt our service. Have you been here when that's happened? Yeah. We're caught off guard. And I'm kind of caught off guard, although in my mind I'm ready for different things that may happen during a service. And I'm ready to, you know, we took action and took care of the situation. But here they're, they're caught off guard. Not just awestruck, but now sudden bewilderment. A demon? Boom! No contest. Five words, it's done. Where did His power come from? The anointing of the Spirit. Again, look at verse 11. Or Mark 11. 29-30, through Jesus is questioned about the source of His authority. What authority do you have to be doing this? And what Jesus does is He points to His baptism by John. Where in the voice declaring Jesus the Son of God and the Spirit's empowering on Him as a servant of God, His true source of authority came from God. So even in chapter 11, they go, well, what authority do you have this? Jesus goes, well, go back to chapter 1, verse 11. My authority comes from God. And then this spreads everywhere. They're in awe. And the word spreads. This begins the popularity aspect of Jesus. Everyone's talking about Him. And we also should be excited to share that news. Jesus does not simply announce the kingdom of God. He shows it in the lives of individuals as He displays His sovereign authority. Now remember, we're going to talk more about this in the next couple of weeks. I've used a phrase last week and the week before, Mark shows that when Jesus shows up on scene to either individuals, disciples, an unclean spirit, someone who's sick, we all need to ask, who is Jesus? And how should we respond to Him? Take your Bibles, and for me, I can just look on the other page here. The last chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. This is beautiful. Matthew 28. Verse 18. Jesus says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, so this is after the death of Jesus. This is after the resurrection. And He is about to ascend. He's meeting with the disciples, with those who are followers. This is what He says to them. And attention this is what he says to us matthew chapter 28 verse 18 then jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me so let's just pause today we can experience the authority and the power of jesus amen And maybe you know someone who has an unclean spirit. Maybe you understand the realm of addictions and struggles. And maybe we haven't gotten to that part in Mark that that's okay. Because guess what? Jesus is here. He has all power and authority. Amen? All authority in heaven. Imagine having all authority in heaven And on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So in the stories that we're looking at here in Mark, Jesus confronts different groups. Of people with the reality of himself which is to bring about a change in their lives as they recognize his authority have you met the real Jesus again I would I would love to dive into more about his teaching we'll get to that Sermon on the Mount that's chapter 5 we'll, we'll get to that someday again we're in Mark so but Mark's goals to go listen he is the greatest teacher. Learn from him. Be amazed. Number two, He has all authority and can drive out the supernatural darkness that is in our lives. Today we can experience the beautiful power, the beauty and the power and the authority and the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. He can heal the hardest heart. Amen? Because we should raise our hand and go, that was me. He can even heal physically. He can cast out demons. He can help us from being so wayward to be forward, onward, looking at Christ. So here it is. Do you know the real Jesus? Who came fully man, fully God. Let Him into your life. Today we're going to do communion. Special Sunday for us. And let me say this for those who are watching online. As I mentioned, I was able to go do some visits this past week. In fact, last week my wife and I, we brought communion to those who are unable to come to church. So if you're at home watching this, and if you would like a pastor to come and do communion, please let the church know. I'll find some time what best fits for you. And I know that We've got COVID going on, so some people want to just stay away from some people. Right now, if you're sick because you're at home, you've got a lot of illness and you don't want to complicate things, just let us know when's the best time. We would love to do communion with you. I know that some of you missed that, and we would love to do that with you. So the worship team's going to come up, we're going to do communion. Let me just say this, uh, I kind of alluded to this, uh, when I'm... Doing a message when I'm preaching, I'm, I'm kind of in my mind, I'm always ready for something. You never know. Maybe a medical issue is going to happen. Even before a service, you know, my eyes are getting kind of bad, so I got even new glasses. I'm, I'm looking out, going, okay, are there any nurses just in case I know where they're sitting? I used to be a nurse, but at least you know how to help someone, you know, okay. I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking of different things. And even today, I was going, okay, we're covering demons. <laughs> That's nothing compared to Jesus. Right? He has all authority. And He's commissioned us. He's filled me with His Spirit. And wherever I walk, I have the authority of Jesus. It's not that I, it's not my authority. I'm Pastor Cody here. I'm here to help you. No, no, no. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And surely I am with you. I don't go with much power of my own. I'm pretty frail. and weak. His authority, amen. Even today I was thinking, okay, so we're going through this. What if? someone shrieks and shakes it's okay god's authority is here amen some of you need to be set free your addictions your sins turn to jesus he is the healer and he's the one that can make you whole amen so as we do communion this is a beautiful time that we as a church we have grape juice here we have the gluten free over here. We got the wafers all set up. This is for us to remember. We do this in remembrance of him. He came to set us free, give us salvation, we can be with the Father someday, worship, but also, he's here to set us free. So we're going to do we have open communion so you don't have to be a member of our church even though we got a membership class coming up at the last sunday here in february If you want to join check out what we're about but you do have to be a member of jesus his family his body his church you could be visiting here from a church from tajikistan i don't think there's anyone here from tajikistan you could celebrate with us if jesus is in your heart so what we're going to do is we're going to do communion. We've got a little chart there of how you can come up. Worship Him going to sing a song. And then we'll take communion together. We do this because He's asked us. This is one of the things He's commanded us to do. To do this in remembrance of Him. This is a symbol to remind us of the great sacrifice He gave for us. So let me say a prayer before we come up and take communion. Lord, I thank You that You are real. I'm embarrassed that some people want to snip pages out of the Bible and go, oh, that, that, that's not real. Oh, Jesus wasn't divine. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I feel sad. For they, they don't see the beauty of Jesus. Oh, you took this dead man and made him alive. You were so wonderful. You came and showed us, displayed, amazing teaching, amazing supernatural acts. But above all, You died for me so I could have life. You took my place. So Lord, for those of us who believe in You as Jesus, You are our Savior and Lord. We want to remember that by taking communion together. This we do in Jesus' name. Amen. So come up. And we'll take this together when we're done. They just sang. I was like, oh, that's from Revelation chapter 12. Oh, that's right. Power and authority is mentioned in that same part. Let me just read this here. Then I heard a voice from the heavens saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and loved not their lives to the death. Oh, it's beautiful. Reading from Mark chapter 14. While they were eating, and this is the Last Supper, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. This is My blood in the covenant which is poured out for many, He said to them. So We will take that in remembrance of His life and death. Jesus, You have all authority. The authority of the Messiah. Someday we're going to experience that and see that in the heavenlies. Oh, it will be powerful. And Lord, I, I know that Your power and authority is within us right now as we are here worshiping You. And as we leave, Your power and authority is with us. So Lord, we celebrate who You are. That You saved a wretch like me. In Jesus' name. Stand and join us in our last few songs. all right, grab your Bibles, go to Revelation 12. When I was in high school my senior year, this, this little section I just memorized. And like even re- when I read it before, I was like stumbling because I got it in the King James's the NIV. I just got it ingrained in I was crazy about this section because I knew he's the one. In fact, when I signed people's yearbooks we used to do that. i don't know if you do that nowadays but you go around else, your book. i wrote revelation 12:11, except except first. i accidentally the first couple ones i put revelation 11 12 and i was like oh that's the wrong one and then it's which says some kids are going to read and then when they went home they're like they heard a voice from heaven saying come up here so i'm like that's good enough all right but i love this verse this section i want you to leave knowing jesus has all authority all power in fact, growing up in Appleton, one thing that's known about Appleton is considered the birthplace of Harry Houdini. Have you heard that name? One of the old magicians and stuff. And because of that one time, some big news place came from Green Bay. The, 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 they are going to do a seance to conjure up Harry Houdini's spirit on Halloween. And I remember me and my buddies heard about that when I was a senior and said, that's not going to happen in my town. So we literally, we grabbed our Bibles and we're running around downtown trying to find out where this was because we're just going to pray it down. Because there are evil forces at work. And I remember I saw a news, they're trying to keep it secret where it was happening. I saw a news person go in a building. We went to the outside of that building. We said, We're just praying in the name of Jesus right here. And I prayed through this passage. Let me read the part here Revelation chapter 12. Verse 9, the great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Amen. Huh? Then I heard a loud voice from heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah. For the accused of our brother of the brethren who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Someday, ultimate true healing and freedom will come. And verse 11. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and did not love their life so much to shrink from death therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short jesus is victorious amen so each day walk in the authority and the power of jesus it's communion sunday i encourage you we have our benevolence basket tony if you could find that just realize not sitting back there we have a benevolence basket for those who have needs in our church we use those funds to care for those who are in need it's going to be right above where our offering container is there and i encourage you grab one of these prayer and praises be praying for people in our church throughout the week god bless you have an awesome week thanks for worshiping with us